Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat, a podcast for all you wine lovers who, if you're like me, just cannot get enough of the good stuff. I'm Yanina Doyle, your host, brand ambassador, wine educator, and sommelier. So stick with me as we dive deeper into this ever-evolving, wonderful world of wine. And wherever you are listening to this, cheers to you. Welcome to all you lovely wine lovers. Today's episode, I am on it to have on Master of Wine, Sonal Holland. Now what makes it extra special is that Sonal is the first and only Master of Wine from India. So this episode, we're gonna be talking about Sonal's journey and her struggles studying for this highly respected title of which currently there are only 419 Master of Wines. Since the exam started, fun fact, in 1953, there's been just 496 people who have in fact passed. And Sonal is one of 151 female Master of Wines And currently, over the last decade, women actually have accounted for 48% of the new Master of Wines, which is really good to see. So we will be touching on the wine culture in India in this episode and what is a very rapidly changing wine scene. In fact, using Sonal Holland's research, it was estimated that India's wine production went from 3.6 million litres in 2003 to 17.3 million in 2014. And of course continues to grow consumption apparently grows 14 to 15 percent annually there so there's a lot going on Sona's going to tell you where you need to get your wine from if you are visiting this country and you'll learn a little bit where the wine capital is this is certainly an interesting episode if you want to understand the evolution of Indian wine and where it is going and then hopefully This will pique your interest slightly for part two, next week's episode. We will be tasting Indian wine. You're going to learn about all the great varieties that grow there, the regions, the styles. So stay tuned for that. Now, for the chat with Sonal Holland, Master of Wine. Sonal, thank you ever so much for joining me. I'm very excited to learn so much about the wines of India because I'll be honest, my my knowledge here is lacking. So I need you right now. <laughs> Such a pleasure to be on your podcast. Thank you for having me. No, thank you. And where did it start for you? Because obviously India is not a country that is known for, for growing grapes. Were you drinking wine at the dinner table growing up? No, not at all. Not at all. Tell me a little bit more about that kind of wine culture. Yeah, no, I come from a, I come from a, what you would call a traditional Indian family, Mm -hmm. but fortunately a progressive one. Okay. And I say this because there can be a lot of very traditional Indian families who uh, are not the most encouraging about their children's careers and, you know, Mm -hmm. have already pre-decided that they want their children to be in a specific field of work and so on. And this is not to say my own parents didn't have any aspirations for me to become a doctor or a surgeon or an engineer or one of those, you know, more conventional Mm -hmm. roles. But having said that, they've always had a very progressive mindset. But my first glass of wine, to be honest, Yanina, was much, much later on. It was uh, when I was dating my partner, who's now my husband. And this must have been at the age of 28. So prior to the age of 28, I was drinking spirits and beers and all other kinds of Mm -hmm. alcoholic beverages which were commonly available in India. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we all grew up on gins and vodkas and so on of the world. But my first glass of wine was 
with my husband. And I remember he introducing me to a fairly simple Bourgogne, you know, Burgundy white. Mm -hmm. I had a sip of that and I thought, wow, I love that. And I know it sounds a bit cliche to say I fell in love with wine, but I wouldn't say I fell in love, but I was certainly intrigued. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, with my husband, I had several opportunities to travel with him, even overseas. And sorry, I should have mentioned up front, but my husband's British. Yeah. So mm-hmm. back then, yeah, so he's he's English. And so we used to travel back to the UK and spend many evenings with friends and family mm-hmm. and, um, you know, obviously guzzle many glasses of wine over even <laughs> Indian meals, you know, given yes. given how popular Indian food is in the UK. And then I got exposed to the culture. And I often wondered back then, you know, would India ever, ever have such a thriving wine culture? Mm. Uh, and a point in time came in my career when I was, uh, you know, in a proper corporate uh, career. I was working for a NASDAQ-listed Fortune 500 uh, sort of multinational mm-hmm. company doing really well, traveling around the world, but I just felt the need to reinvent myself. And I thought mm. of various options of what else I could do with my with my life and in my career. And somehow I kind of, you know, I was sitting with my husband who again back then was my was my was my partner, my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. We were just sitting, sipping over a glass of wine and he handed me this article written by Jancis Robinson, you know, okay. who's been writing for Financial Times uh-huh. forever now. And he said, you know, you should check this lady out. She's quite the celebrity in the wine world and she's the most prolific wine writer in the world. And um, she led the UK wine revolution, you know, at a time when UK was kind of zero with wine and then UK went from zero to hero. And she was right at the front running of that entire revolution. Um, And um, you should you should study her and check her out and see what it's like to study wines and pursue a career in this field. So that's when I got down to my research. And I was hugely intrigued because I realized that there was nobody in India at the time in Ina that was teaching, advocating, Mm -hmm. consulting, communicating about wines. And I thought, here's an industry that's growing. It's still very nascent. But, you know, if I fast track 10 years from now, this could be something. And there would be opportunities for qualified wine professionals, which at the time there were none. So I thought, well, why not me then? So I decided to jump into the hot seat yeah that's amazing yeah. so you completely changed yeah. and actually you got to hand it all down to your husband then really for bringing you that first glass of burgundy white yes definitely <laughs> i give him a lot of credit because you know i think what the, the thing is that you know as an indian we were so not exposed to the culture of wine i yeah. needed that i needed that global outlook back then you mm-hmm. know i i i can see now that I've traveled the world, now that I've experienced wine, it's all wonder, you know, 360 degrees. Of course, I have my own visions and my own ideas. Uh, but uh, back then, I needed that push. I needed somebody giving me that vision. And I was just fortunate enough to have that from my husband, you know. So yeah. that, was, that was great. I guess I got lucky. Amazing. So now at this time, you were going back and forth to England, but you were obviously living in India. Is that correct? Yes, definitely. I've always been an Indian resident, you know, born and brought up here, studied here. And so did you do all of your studying? I assume you obviously worked your way through with the WSETs and then got on to Master of Wine. Did you do all of that in India completely? No, no, no. So all of my studies prior to getting into the wine business was all done in India. Mm -hmm. And I've done my hotel management and I've done my MBA in marketing and a few other courses, uh, you know, on the Mm -hmm. side. So all of my early education was all in India. Uh, It's only when I decided to pursue wine, um, I I realized I needed to study about it. And there were no wine institutions in India back then. My academy, Sonal Holland Wine Academy, was the first one, which I set up myself Mm -hmm. after I had studied 
the WSET. So my only option to study about wine was to actually fly over to London Oof, and start studying me. about wines at the WSET in London. Yeah, so it was a significant outlay of time, effort, yes. money, not to mention. Uh, but I decided to, I don't know, you know, life looks wonderful in, in hindsight. It kind of yeah. sounds so cool trying to say it all now. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know what was, I don't know what was driving me at the time. I just sort of got so fascinated uh, back then with mm-hmm. the thought of doing something in the field of wines. Uh, and I, when I started studying at the WSCT, I very quickly realized that this is something that's totally up my alley. I'm enjoying mm. this. This is something I can do. I can excel at. And um, I just wanted to go for it. And very earlier on, I set my heart on and my sights on becoming India's first master of wine. I saw that as an opportunity much, much earlier on. And I thought, uh, you know, if I'm going to go for this, I may as well uh, try to climb to the summit and be India's first master of wine. I love that. That is literally goal setting to the nth degree, isn't it? So you tasted your first glass of wine at 28 years old. Am I allowed to ask you at what point you qualified as a master of wine? How many years it took you from literally that first glass to passing that master of wine? So literally from then to becoming the master of wine in 2016, it took me 10 years, precisely 10 years. Do you know what? That is, I hope anybody listening is inspired by that. One, if you want to change your career, whatever it is, go for it. But two, to go from knowing nothing about wine and being an absolute authority, you can do it in 10 years. That, do you know what? I've yeah. done my diploma. And at that point, I thought I'd done enough studying and I thought I'm not going to do my master of wine. But you in this moment are making me feel like I should do my master of wine as well. I'm feeling it. I might change my mind you after did. this podcast. Okay, well, maybe we should talk a little bit more. Maybe. <laughs> no, you should totally do it. It's, I know it sounds scary and it's uh-huh. all very intimidating and overwhelming. And this is not to say that it is not a challenging thing to do. And oh, I've had many, sure. many, you know, moments of uh, doubts and setbacks and even failures because you obviously don't pass everything in the first attempt. Mm. But having said all of that, um, you know, once you are one, it, it's all so worth it. It, it you, you can only, it's a bit like, you know, going into labor and having a baby. You know what I mean? You forget all about the pain. Oh, I haven't got there yet. <laughs> you forget all about the, the bad stuff. But uh, it's a bit like that. It's, it's once, once, you know, if you keep your eyes on the reward and the goal for uh-huh. the end, kind of, once you get there, it all seems so worth it. Stay focused, keep pushing, and it'll be over before you know it. Okay, great. For anyone giving birth and doing your master wine, it's awesome advice. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> tell me, tell me, you passed the master of wine. What a lot of people want to know, what did you celebrate with? What was the wine that you cracked open? You know, can I can I be honest? I yes, you can. This is going to sound absolutely bizarre, but today uh-huh. I got the news that I became a master of wine. There was a festival uh-huh. going on here, and it's one of those festivals when I don't drink. So oh, you no. know, there are some festivals <laughs> in India where you traditionally kind of uh, don't drink. And Bad timing. I, I, was, I was. I know, but 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 on the, but on the other side, it was also great timing because uh, okay. you know during that festival day, we were all together. We were all. Mm. You know, my husband was at home, my daughter, my parents, my sister, because we'd all gathered together for yeah. the festival, and there were you know there were some rituals happening in, at home. And I was anyway expecting this call from the Institute of Masters of Wine, and I was hoping I would get that call to tell me I passed, uh, which I did. Uh, but but mm. on that day uncorking a bottle of wine honestly was truly the last thing on my mind it, it was mm. just so exhilarating so relieving 
And just so it really took a couple of days for it to even sink in. Yeah. Um, I, you know, even today when I talk about it, I kind of get goosebumps because oh. that feeling, you know, that, mm-hmm. that feeling that you wait for that long mm-hmm. and you think it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You keep praying, you keep, you know, aspiring for it. Yeah. When it actually does happen, it's so unbelievable. It's so surreal. Now, how did you feel as a woman? I love that you are the first and only Indian master wine, but also as a female, you know, how does, how was that whilst you are studying and pushing yourself? Did that give you more of a drive? Did it not affect you at all? Did you come across some challenges? Oh, many. I mean, it was, it, there were many challenges because, uh, I mean, there were practical challenges because the fact is that living out of India had very few tasting opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had no access or very little access to the kind of classic wines that are typically appear in these exams. So I really had to, even outside of, of traveling to the UK for attending my fourth days, uh, and whatever was required by the Institute to do. Outside of that also, I had to travel a lot uh, within UK, all around the world, attending trade fairs, seminars, conferences, tastings, uh, tap into whatever resources I could, uh, and not just books, but I meant like, you know, reaching out to people, other masters mm-hmm. of wine, anybody and everybody who I felt at the time who could mentor me. And yes. um you know, I had to sign up for a lot of these uh, practice, you know, not tuitions, but practice tastings and so mm-hmm. on. So it was a lot of travel. I think that during my, those five years of being on the program, I would have traveled so extensively. I must have, uh, tr- I've even lost count of the number of wines I tasted or how many <laughs> regions I traveled and, you know, meeting winemakers, understanding the craft. Because you see, the thing about the course is, y- it's a self-taught program. It's not yes. one of those where... Can't just read a book. There are, yeah. yeah, it's not like reading a textbook and, you know, whatever is going to be asked is within that syllabus. So you have a basic guideline of what you're supposed to know, but it's the guideline is still very vast. You could be asked anything mm-hmm. and everything. And it pretty much uh, um, gauges your knowledge across the depth and the width and the span of the the viticulture, winemaking, business of wine, packaging, quality control. And I'm just talking theory yet, not to mention the blind tasting. Oh, my God, that's, that's, that's the notoriously hard part to pass, right? So you have yes. 36 wines, you taste blind, and you're required to identify grape variety, where, where it comes from, who, you know, vintage, quality, commercial potential, style, so on and so forth. So that is that is really hard to pass. And so I have to mm-hmm. practice, practice, practice a lot and learn, learn, learn. And so that was a, you know, that meant staying away from home for extended periods of time. I had to miss my young daughter's birthdays, which was oh. killing. It was like killing on my mm-hmm. mom's mother's guilt. I mean, I, I know one thing, mother's guilt is real. And um, <laughs> yeah, I had to be away from my husband and, yeah. you know, not to mention put out a significant amount of money to... Mm-hmm. to be able to afford and sustain this so yeah it, it was a it was a long journey and it was an investment of thought but uh, I reckoned I reckoned this is what I wanted and I wanted to do it and beyond a point it it actually became a bit of a, an obsession for me I just wanted to get there I just wanted to get 
become a master of wine. So. Amazing. And then, of course, now, since then, you've set up the Sonal Holland Wine Academy, right? So you're obviously teaching people in India, the WSET, up to, are you doing up to the level four, the diploma? Or? We're doing up to level three. I set, I set up the academy way in the beginning. I did it right mm-hmm. away in 2009. So mm-hmm. even six years before, I even a year before I got into the Master of Wine program, because I realized very earlier on, even while studying at the WSET, that, uh, you know, if this industry was to grow and if there had to be more professionals who would, you know, want to study wine and there would actually be a proper industry, so to speak, then mm-hmm. there would there'd be a need for world-class wine education to be available right here within the country. And so I decided to set up the academy and start offering WSED courses here, which back in the early days was a real hard sell. You know, it took a lot of convincing uh, people, uh, mm. you know, working at hotels and otherwise that they're, there is an industry like that. There's a need for training. There's a need for education. This will help you uh, get better revenues. So everything was a bit of hard sell, but I'm just thankful it all happened because now, you know, we find ourselves doing so much more than just education. We have, um, I know you haven't yet asked me that, actually. I just feel like I'm just telling you regardless. You tell me, go, so, go for it. I love it. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, it's just that in the span of, all this time we've managed to set up uh, a good consultancy arm as well because there's a lot of international companies coming into India who want uh, help with understanding India as a wine market. It can Ah, be quite complex. It can Mm -hmm. be daunting. Uh, We do lots of events. events now. So wine has become hugely popular now, Yanina. Back from where I was to now, if I just fast forward, I think wine's totally booming at the moment. It's just uh, it's the fastest growing beverage it's the new media symbol of sophistication romance lifestyle health oh, healthy uh, choices you know all of that uh, and you know as we are more and more exposed to things like uh, Netflix and we see yeah. more wine wine featuring into our own Bollywood movies you know mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of really taking center stage even up to five years ago when I walked into somebody's home, I couldn't be sure whether wine was on the menu, whether wine was even being served. But today it's become a mainstream drink across various cultural occasions, whether it's weddings or parties or home soirees or whatever it is. So wine's become very, very mainstream, incredibly popular and a very, uh, a very elegant drink to be seen drinking. And thank God for that. Yeah, and amazing timing, the fact that you're now there to encourage, inspire, train. So I assume there are probably several people now wanting to follow in your footsteps. Is there anybody that you know of now that is potentially coming up behind you that has started studying their Master of Wine that's Indian? Officially, to the best of my knowledge, there is no Indian on the programme, per se, at the moment. But I do know that, uh, you know, we, we... we're just fortunate to be have a lot of people write to us to say, please guide us on how to become a master of wine mm. or what can we do. So we do a lot of this, you know, creating awareness about the Master of Wine program on our social media handles and uh, at webinars. And uh, yeah, we're trying, to, I mean, hopefully I'll, I'll have a proper opportunity to mentor somebody in that journey. But I know that I have a couple of colleagues right now who are in the final stages of completing their WSET diploma. And I'm Amazing. hoping that I can inspire them enough to get onto the MW program. So, you know, if I can help do that for my own employees and my own colleagues, I mean, what would be more wonderful than that? 
That is so exciting. No, it really is. Yeah. And then, of course, for those people outside of India that are listening now, you have Sonal Holland Wine TV, don't you, on YouTube, where you're talking yeah. about many, yeah, loads of different things. When did you set that up? You know, we set that up way, way back in 2004. And then mm. I didn't make any videos for a while, for about two, three yeah, years. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. You kind of, you think, oh, I'm not sure. And then you kind of get back to it thinking, yes. no, 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 I've got to do this. I've got to keep at it. So anyway, uh, I think we started about two years ago. And it was good timing because just around the pandemic, we we became very, very disciplined and we release one new video every Friday, and so there's lots of, I think we have close to 170 videos up there talking about, all about wine, actually. We're yeah. dedicated to the business of education and entertaining with wine. So Absolutely. I know I've seen, I've checked out a few for anyone you can learn about specific wines you're talking about, or how to taste, or even like the corks in wine, aren't there? So you've got, you really are going throughout the whole process so people can have a little bit of fun and learn. But also, interesting, you talk about, I think, when you talk about wines, you will give the price of what it is in India. Yeah. Are you finding a lot of your viewers are actually Indian. We have we have all kinds of people actually to be honest mm. who follow us and we're fortunate, thankful for, for all of this uh wonderful people who enjoy our, our content. Yeah. Uh but we typically see them as either they are professionals who are aspiring to learn more about wine because they're trying to make a career out of it, yeah. in the food and beverage. Uh and then we have a whole lot of other set of people who are just enthusiasts, who are, you know, consumers, yeah. who are curious about wine and want to learn more about wine. To answer your specific question about Indian versus international, we do have a small percentage of people from across the world who also follow us, and thank you all for that. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, um, I still see there's so much opportunity uh, within India, because India yeah. is 1.3 billion people. And like I said, wine is the fastest growing beverage in the Indian market. And uh, wine is growing in popularity. So I've kind of made it my mission to entertain and educate with wine, uh, you know, to the Indians. So a lot of our content is global, but when we speak of prices, I find it more relevant to mention Indian prices because we have our own unique structure. We're highly Mm. taxed here in Ina. Our taxes are very high. Sorry. Um, And so (laughs) Very sorry to hear that. So it's like... Yeah, a five dollar wine ends up being forty dollars here in India. What? So it doesn't make yeah, sadly, sadly, yeah. So it doesn't make any sense for me to not give the pricing from an India perspective yes. because oh. I will be completely misguiding somebody if I said there's a five dollar wine and then they get the shock of their life and they go to buy it at one of the Indian retail stores. So, <laughs> oh, so talking yeah. about going then and buying a slightly more overpriced wine in India, for all of us, yeah. when we start traveling again and we can come to India, where yeah. do you find is the best place to buy wine? Would it be in Delhi? Or I know that in Mumbai specifically, and this is I, from... I, hmm? I know I know just the answer, actually, to your question. Tell me. It, it, would, it would have to be in, uh, in Mumbai at okay. a specific store called The Cellar. Uh, okay. Located at the food hall, uh, and I say this so precisely because this is my own wine store. But <laughs> <laughs> everyone go there, no bias at all. No, no, no. Just you know, giving you my own independent opinion about uh-huh. best places to buy wine. But anyway, on a more serious note, I got into wine retail about eighteen months ago, and okay. that's what done done phenomenally well. We mm-hmm. have this wonderful wine store 
we have two actually in Mumbai now, and Mumbai is ah. anyway the largest consumption city in the in India. You know, it is thirty three yeah. to forty percent of our of all India's consumption happens uh, in the state of Maharashtra, and within Maharashtra, Mumbai is the most important city. So okay. yeah, we have two two shops here, and but I mean, having said that, every city has a has a lovely wine store you can go to, and you know, so on. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And in, in general, in terms of planting, the majority of the wineries are in Nasik, right? Yes. So Nasik is widely uh, regarded as the wine capital of the country. Nearly 75 mm. to 80% of, the, of India's wine production happens in the area of Nasik, uh, which is about three and a half hour drive from Mumbai, where I'm sitting right now. Oh, okay. There we go. We can visualize it yeah. now. <laughs> Now, I did, anyone can do the same as what I've done, which is they can read your research paper, which is what every Master of Wine has to do to complete their Master of Wine. And you did your research paper, no surprise, on India and, of course, I guess the evolution. And I found that really, really interesting. Some things that I found were really interesting is that you said that females, it's increasing their representation in terms of drinking wine from 25 years old to 34 years old. So that's a, a growing market women are getting really behind wine which I thought was quite exciting yes and that is a huge huge opportunity for wine in India because let me just put some stats for your consideration okay. right, for everybody's mm-hmm. consideration so India is 1.3 billion people and nearly mm-hmm. half of us are women okay so you're talking mm-hmm. about 650 million people who are women and mm-hmm. so 650 million people out of a global population of 6 billion people means that one out of 10 people walking this earth is an Indian woman. Gosh. <laughs> How impressive does that sound already? Absolutely. Right. And right. all of those women, you're the only master of wine in India, but carry on. <laughs> thank you. I wasn't looking, well, I wasn't looking to put that plug, but thank you. Well, why not? Like, why not? I'm yeah. impressed, but carry on. Yeah. And what, and what is happening is that women traditionally were used to hide their drinks. We had to hide our drinks and drink, right? So we, we mm. call what we call a spiked drink, right? You have a Coca-Cola and you put a little bit of vodka or gin. Oh, in it I love this. <laughs> in, more, in more traditional formats, this is what we yeah. were told to do in our mm. growing up years. And, you know, we had to hide our alcohol in a nutshell. Mm. Increasingly now, because wine is considered socially more civilized, uh, more acceptable within mm-hmm. society and within family circles even to drink, you know, women are, are, are shedding their, their inhibitions and are being seen openly consuming a glass of wine because wine mm-hmm. is elegant. It has a, um, you know, it has a milder imagery. And so it's gaining great social acceptance within the Indian society fabric, you know, mm. fabric of Indian society. And that to me is a very encouraging sign. Also, a hell of a lot of women are drinking wine because they're reading in the media that it's healthy and so on. Now, I generally don't like to comment on that part of things because... Yeah. People often don't know, you know, the the portion control aspect of things and they don't know where mm. to draw the line. But, but, <laughs> but having said that, I would still say the media is helping in, in popularizing wine as a healthier beverage. So all of these factors are leading to wine becoming... And I know so many women myself, you know, in my own social circle, mm-hmm. who say that they've been teetotalers all their life and now have started drinking at the age of uh, 40, 45, 50, 55 okay. even. So to me, you know, the future of wine is very bright in India uh, because simply because women um, 
And this is not to say only the Indian women are drinking it. Of course, the men mm. are drinking it. But the women are a whole new demographic, you know, yeah. to to drink wine openly and liberally. So that yeah. is very, very encouraging for wine in India. And of course, mm-hmm. then we have a whole lot of millennial and Gen Z, which I could give you some more statistics on. But Stat away. It's just that, you know, it's just that India is a very, very young country, right? More than 50% yeah. of Indians are below 25 years of age. And so... Uh, you know, we talk about the Gen Z, Gen Z. It's the real buzzword today, right? Everyone mm-hmm. has eyes on the Gen Z. Well, <laughs> India has 20% of the global Gen Z population. And this is the, the population that is uh, digitally driven, is digitally native. Mm. They, are, they are more open to experimenting with all sorts of beverages. They, they enjoy the aspect of variation in their drinks. Yeah, they don't okay. necessarily mm. look... They don't necessarily look for the same drink over and over and over again. They're more experimental. They want to learn. They want uh, to discover. And wine fits in. It ticks all the boxes, right? So Mm -hmm. um, I think all of these factors make wine a very very bright proposition in India. Yeah, it's exciting to see where it's going to go. Now, one of the things, though, I did notice from your research paper Indian fortified wines still seems to be very popular. So is the palate for the typical Indian who is drinking wine, are they wanting sweeter wine still or, or are people shifting it across to the drier still wines? No, so I think it's a journey, right? In every country, mm. if you see, if you look at even the US, it all started with uh, sweeter wine, blood, yeah. you know, Zinfandels, and then yeah. sort of moving on to the drier styles. I think human nature is similar wherever on the earth mm-hmm. he might live. So even in India, it's not dissimilar a lot of consumers here start with, but this is not always the journey, right? I'm just saying for somebody yeah. who has more access to a port style, uh, sweeter, high alcoholic red wine, we start with that and then over time discover more sweeter styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I think the popularity of a lot of port style uh, Indian sweet red wine is also due to the fact that India makes and grows a lot of indigenous grape varieties, names of which we're not familiar with. You know, they're oh, not okay. like our Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot and all. Yes. There's a lot of local uh, grape varieties because India has traditionally been uh, a lot into table grapes, which have eventually mm-hmm. kind of got into grape growing for wine as well. So uh, we have a lot of these indigenous grape varieties that are, uh, I wouldn't say are necessarily very high quality, but a lot of this gets churned into uh, the table wine and table wine of India is very often turns out to be the sweet, red, fiery, high alcohol yeah. kind of cover up the flavors type. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people, particularly in the tier two and tier three cities, because India is a very diverse country, right? There's a lot of eco- socioeconomic strata. You're mm-hmm. not everybody's affluent, not everybody's well-traveled. Um, so um, it's a lot of tier two, tier three cities who are less exposed to urban lifestyles um, could could very well start off with that, you know. Uh, yeah. But like I said, everything is a journey, right? India is growing overall. It's not just with its wine. We're just going up the curve where the middle class is becoming upper middle class and the upper middle class is becoming mm-hmm. uh, affluent. And there's a there's rapid urbanization. There is great exposure to Western lifestyle. There is an upward trend towards premiumization 
when it comes to all products that we consume, better homes, better cars, better drinks, better clothes, mm-hmm. you know. So it's all part of the the journey and the revolution, the revolution. That, is, that is taking pl- and the evolution that is taking place. So yeah. I would say in about 10 years time, um, I, I hope to be in a more exciting place than I am today. Okay, well, let's book in another chat in 10 years. <laughs> yes, let's do another podcast in 10 years. And compare, absolutely. Cliffhanger, everyone, wait 10 years. No, it'll be really exciting. Now, you mentioned Indigenous. Is there any Indigenous varieties that anyone should know about? No. No, ignore it. It's the international no, varieties, right? No, but you know what, what, what the world should know? Uh, mm-hmm. is that a lot of the 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 dry red and white wines that we typically talk of uh, mostly uh, are all made from grape varieties that are globally well known. We have Cabernet Sauvignon, we have Merlot, mm-hmm. we have Sangiovese, we have uh, uh, and you know what? We even grow Tempranillo. We make a lot of wine with Tempranillo, and we even even have a wine producer who makes Nero Davola and Grillo. Ah with Sicilian grape varieties, uh-huh. uh, we have some great Bionier, we have Grenache, we have, so we have all kinds of grape varieties, Shiraz, of course, India makes Chenin Blanc, all of these grape varieties are grown in India, so we have a lot of different styles, and I think mm-hmm. India still at this phase where we're trying to still discover what we make really well, and mm-hmm. where is it that, what variety finds its true expression on Indian soil. This is something we're right now in the process of kind of revealing and figuring out. Yeah. It's so good to see that India is growing as a wine producing country and also the culture and the way of thinking behind it has changed. Seeing wine as the elegant choice is beautiful. And I am sure Ernest Hemingway would quite agree. So I'll end this episode with one of his quite well-known quotes. And that is, Wine is one of the most civilized things in the world and one of the most natural things of the world that has been brought to the greatest perfection. And it offers a greater range for enjoyment and appreciation than possibly any other purely sensory thing. So that's it for today. Don't forget to tune in to next week where we'll be tasting a Tempranillo and a Chenin Blanc with... Chenin Blanc certainly being one of the signature varieties of India. So get ready to expand your Indian wine knowledge. Thank you as always for listening. If you are enjoying these episodes, please do leave a review. Do like the episode and be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Please share this podcast over your social media accounts and do get in touch with me about what you're liking on these podcasts and what you want me to cover and talk about in the future i'm on instagram at eat sleep underscore wine repeat or on email yanina at eat sleep wine repeat dot co dot uk and that's yanina with a j i always forget to say that <laughs> so beautiful people it's a new week that means new possibilities go out be epic and until the next episode cheers to you <laughs>